Just like a Kyron Williams juke move, WCScreens.com looks to make the purchase of your next screen print or embroidery job as smooth as possible. Wholesale prices, nationwide shipping, the gold standard of the industry. Check out my pal Tony and the rest of his team at WCScreens.com. And on with the show. Football fans, it's here. The 116th season of Notre Dame Fighting Irish Football. Join me as I break down the offense, defense, key matchups on the schedule, and some of those golden domers who stand to break out this season. Maybe I'll make a prediction or two. Buckle up those chin straps, Irish fans. This is Onward to Victory. Welcome to this special 49th edition of Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. My name is Alex Painter, and thank you for joining this most exciting installment of the show. We've waited long enough, Irish fans. Welcome to the 2021 season preview episode. This is the third annual season preview episode, and I'll break it all down, whether you are an Irish novice or you literally bleed blue and gold. You're going to want to stick around. First, a special thank you to my pals and the financial backers of this show, including 2021 season sponsor, WCScreens.com, and to Consensus All-Americans, my favorite sons of Aaron, Mr. Michael Finan of Rutherford, New Jersey, and Brad Glazier of Williamsburg, Indiana. If you or your business would like to become a sponsor of the show, hang out until the show wrap and I'll tell you all about it. So before we jump in, again, how about a quick off-season recap? I know the Fighting Irish's last game was all the way back on January 1st, but that doesn't mean the show went into hibernation for the rest of the winter, spring, and into the summer. Not by a far cry, actually. In fact, here are all the places we went. I'm going to take a deep breath here. (laughs) In January, we discussed the life and career of Al Feeney, the everywhere man, as I like to call him who was the center for Rockney's teams that perfected the forward pass. And I mean Rockney as a player, not as a coach. A fourth installment of the Notre Dame in the Civil War series investigated, see what I did there? The famous detectives, the Pinkerton family, and their connection to Notre Dame. In February, that shortest of all months, I debuted the Gridiron Groundbreakers of the Fighting Irish series. Appropriately, during Black History Month, the episode was dedicated to tackle Wayne Edmonds who was the first black monogram winner for the Notre Dame football team. The month of March brought two onward to victory deliveries. The first was an evocative examination of the Irish's recruiting efforts, and if the academic standards and reputation of the school helps or hinders their efforts on this front. To pair up with this, a St. Paddy's Day special was also released to commemorate the most Irish of all holidays. After a quick spring game preview episode in April, I got my hands back in the dirt in May with part two of the Gridiron Groundbreakers of the Fighting Irish series, dedicated to Tommy Yar, the first Native American to play football at Notre Dame. And also a Memorial Day Remembrance episode to celebrate the lives of those Irish football players killed in action in the service of our country. 
Those summer months of June, July, and August brought four more episodes to the tally, including a two-year anniversary special where we discussed the exhilarating history of Rockney, Texas. This was followed by an 80s-themed episode about the Jerry Faust era, an offering about the origins of the Fighting Irish nickname, and finally, a conversation with author and now friend of the show, Bill Fuller, who wrote the book The Forever Year, a historical fiction romance novel about the Gipper himself, George Gipp. So yeah, a little bit busy, I tell you. But uh, one last thing, and I can't believe I failed to bring this up during previous episodes. I know all of you watch Rudy before the season begins, and I mean all of you, I just know it. Well, the cast of Rudy suffered a loss back in June as Ned Beatty, who plays Rudy's father in the movie, Dan, and of course tons of other memorable roles, passed away on June 13th of this year, 2021, at age 83. So here's to a great, both in the Irish circles and many, many others. All right, so that, friends, brings us to today. Let's start at the top, shall we? The number nine ranked Notre Dame football team begins their 2021 season again as an independent in the 116th season in program history. 1,209 games have been played thus far. Your fighting Irish have claimed victory in 862 of those games for a winning percentage of 727. Fact is, only six schools in college football have won more games than the Irish and all but one of them have played more seasons. Returning for his 12th season at the helm is head coach Brian Kelly. Kelly holds a record of 102 wins and 39 losses, good for a 723 winning percentage. Not to mention the Irish are 43-8 over the past four seasons, logging four straight double-digit win campaigns. Coach Kelly actually only needs four more victories to pass the legendary Knut Rockney on the career wins list. And speaking of that record book, here's where some of the current Irish stand. With 1,151 career rushing yards, running back Kyron Williams ranks 40th in school history. With a season like last, look for him to just vault up that muster roll. His 13 rushing touchdowns also rank 40th in program history. Now, when it comes to receptions, you have to go pretty far down the list, and that's going to be a theme that kind of comes up again here soon. But it's certainly two guys to be excited for, I think. Anyway, sophomore tight end Michael Mayer, the returner with the most receptions, is 76th in school history with 42. Mr. Golden Shovel himself, which I'll explain later, Avery Davis is 81st in school history with 39 catches. From a kicking standpoint, senior Jonathan Doerr is fourth all-time in scoring with 210 points, and punter Jay Bramblett is sixth in school history with a 40.8 yards per punting average. So let's hone in on the offense and give a good preview of what we're going to be seeing here. The offense will be led by former quarterback and now Irish offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, who will be in his second season in the role. So Let's look around at the unit's personnel, as well as the strengths and possible growth edges. So after lighting up the record books and winning more games than any quarterback in Irish history, Ian Book has moved on to the NFL. Replacing him is Wisconsin graduate transfer Jack Cohn. Now, I can't stress just how different these guys play the position. I think this has been talked about ad nauseum, 
But just in case you haven't heard, I'm going to spell it out. Cone isn't one to bolt and run like Book would if the pocket broke down or, you know, on a quarterback designed run. Frankly, I'll be surprised to see very many of those designed quarterback runs with Cone under center short of a sneak here and there. But he does possess a quick release and a very strong arm. And one of the knocks that I know I heard over the years about Ian is that he was a little bit inaccurate from time to time. Cone possesses accuracy in spades. He actually had a 69.6 completion percentage in 2019, which led the Big Ten. And so for some additional context, that's over 7% higher than Book's cumulative 2019 and 2020 seasons. So again, you're not going to see the same level of him breaking the pocket and taking off and running. That's Jack Cone, that is. Or again, those design quarterback runs. But that's not to say that Jack's not a good athlete. In fact, when he was a freshman in high school, he actually committed to Notre Dame as a member of the lacrosse team. So he possesses a fair amount of athleticism in his own right. However, it's not going to reach the same levels of Ian Book. But again, you're going to see a, a, a net positive in what has been kind of considered as one of Ian Book's uh, deficiencies. But according to those at a recent practice, he looked very decisive under center. And of course, you can't teach experience. Cone's thrown nearly 450 collegiate passes and been to a Rose Bowl. So yeah, he's absolutely a stopgap in the interim period for Drew Pine, Tyler Buckner, even Ronnie Paulus III. But Irish fans, I think you're going to like his poise and his leadership. Moving to perhaps the deepest of all positions for the Irish running back. This will prove to be the bread and butter for the offense and probably Jack Cohn's best friends back there. Every team, and I mean every team, will get a heavy dose of number 23, Kyron Williams. Last year, he was a Doak Walker finalist, ACC Rookie of the Year, Freshman All-American, 1,125 yards and 13 touchdowns, another 35 catches for 313 yards and another touchdown. He is the real deal, Irish fans, and you know this, and I know this. If he stays healthy, he may be the number one reason to be excited for the Irish this season, bar absolutely none. And yeah, I know many folks pointed to that first Clemson game, the one I'm sure you remember it was thrilling when Notre Dame defeated Clemson up in South Bend, and they said it wasn't really an authentic look at the Irish, or Clemson for that matter, because... The phenom Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence was not in the house. Well, Lawrence, of course, doesn't play defense. And I watched Kyron pile up 140 yards for a 6.1 average per rush and three touchdowns against that defense. So be excited. I mean, very excited. Even as I was editing my notes here for this episode, the hits just keep on coming for Kyron. He was named the Associated Press to the Associated Press All-American first team. And even when Williams isn't taking the handoff, Opponents won't get much of a reprieve, then as sophomore Chris Tyree will also get his touches. There has been quite a bit of chatter that coaches Kelly and Reese are exploring more ways to get Tyree and Williams on the field at the same time. Tyree's blazing fast. Uh, he averaged 6.8 yards per attempt in 2020 on 73 rushes, and he also handles the kickoff duties for the Irish. So, so needless to say, despite all the change heading into 2021, one thing will remain the same, and that is that these two give the Irish an incredibly formidable backfield duo. But sprinkle in a bit of one of my favorite dudes on the team, and that's Sebo Flemister as the short yardage back, and that is just a heck of a stable. Sebo plays the tough runner role with his 5'11", 200-pound frame, so 
man, don't sleep on Sebo. As for the offensive line and tight ends, even though three linemen and one tight end were selected in this past year's NFL draft, Coach Kelly still has some shock troops to employ on Saturdays, particularly in the form of AP first-team All-American guard Kane Madden and second-teamer center Jarrett Patterson. All right, let's start with Madden since he might be a new name for some of you all. So Madden is a grad transfer from Marshall, and he is absolutely bona fide. In fact, he was rated by some services as the best run blocker in the country last season. Man, I cannot wait to see this guy because he plays meaner than a bobcat without a blowhole, and he was absolutely a huge pickup. Though he was taking snaps with the second team recently, count him into the starting lineup as he has 31 starts in his career. Patterson, with 20 starts in his career, plays the role of the kind of position group leader. Now, there's some uncertainty as to who is playing where along the line after these two. My best guess is you will see Avon, Indiana freshman, Phenom Blake Fisher lining up at left tackle, and Josh Lugg, with eight starts and lots of snaps under his belt, lining up at right tackle. The other guard position, well, I Honestly, for the longest time, I didn't have a clue. But the more and more I look at it, it looks like Cincinnati native Zeke Carell is going to get that nod at the other guard position. He seems to have an inside track on the spot anyway. But also freshman Rocco Spindler, senior John Dirksen are also in the mix for some of those spots too. But either way, there will be some new faces. But that's okay. There's still so much talent for Notre Dame in the trenches. And even if it doesn't quite reach the level of seasons past... I think it's going to be a a strength of the offense once again. So tight end, let's work our way to the perimeter of the offensive line. You know where I'm going to go with this one. Number 87, baby Gronk, Michael Mayer. Man, he had some freshman moments last year, but he was as dominant and dynamic of a pass catcher as we had. And boy, last year we needed that. And, you know, I loved how he got out into the open field, and it almost felt like he invited contact. He's such a tough runner. And rest assured, Michael Mayer is going to be Jack Cohn's very best and probably very favorite target inside the numbers. So here's another name for you at the spot. A dude I waxed about in the spring preview earlier. That's George Tackett's. At 6'6", 250 pounds, George is a tough blocker with some pretty soft hands. So Tommy Reese loves running that multi-tight end set, so look for tactics to get some love there. So rounding out the offense is the wide receiver group. The most productive of this group thus far statistically is a gentleman by the name of Avery Davis. We call him Golden Shovel around these parts. So what the hell do I mean by that? <laughs> Well, the Golden Shovel Award, and I'm sadly not sure of the origins, is typically used to recognize work ethic and team-first efforts. Davis fits this mold as he has moved from quarterback to running back to defensive back, then to receiver. And not to mention he was a very highly regarded and recruited quarterback. So to have a gentleman who has moved spots now multiple times, basically wherever he was needed, he would go. Um, And he enjoyed his most productive year last year. He logged 24 catches and a pair of touchdowns. He's the unequivocal leader of the wideout pack. And let me tell you, Irish fans, an easy dude to root for. 
However, after Davis, while the stable isn't short on talent, well, proven production? Absolutely. This is probably for the second straight season, the group that pundits may point to that may be the one to hold the Irish back. Because yes, the fact is, running back Kyron Davis has the third most receptions of any returner at 36. Tight end Michael Mayer has the most at 42. So only one wide receiver in the top three. So I'll leave it at this. This group does indeed give me great pause. And I tend to agree that this is once again the weakest group of the program at this time. And I'd love to be proven wrong. Now, after reading about the Irish in this group pretty much daily for the last several months, it feels like I think a lot of these guys have chips on their shoulders. And rightfully so. I mean, there's a lot of highly recruited, again, highly heralded prospects, at least they were at one time in this room, that haven't necessarily produced. And so who's expected to make that leap, finally make that leap? Well, speedster Braden Lindsay, Lawrence Keys III, and Kevin Austin Jr. Throw in Joe Wilkins, and you do have plenty of upside. We just need somebody to stand up in that room and, again, take over the position other than Avery Davis. And Avery Davis, while he's a really good athlete, he's not going to probably ever be that incredibly dynamic wide receiver like you saw with Miles Boykin or Chase Claypool. But rather, he'll be the one to give you quality production, steady production. But here's the thing, too. It's these guys' jobs to lose because there are a pair of uber-talented freshmen in Deion Colsey and Lorenzo Styles that will be breathing down their necks otherwise. So offense in a nutshell here. Steady, if not flashy, quarterback play. A younger developing offensive line will continue to play the role of bullies in many games. A dynamic rushing attack and tight end play. But yet still a question mark at the wide receiver group. Hey, let's move on to defense. They are led by first-year Irish coordinator, Marcus Freeman, who has proven to be an absolute spark on the practice field, weight room, and out on the recruiting trail. This guy, he's an absolute beast. Maybe even a star in the making. So let's start up front. I'm smitten as hell with this defensive front, by the way. I have no clue how Notre Dame continues just to reload at defensive tackle and end. And I don't know, it feels like every single year, They're losing a starting tackle or both of their starting ends or sometimes some combination of all three in the NFL draft. And this happens seemingly every year. But again, this is a group that seems poised to absolutely dominate games. And there's a lot of versatility among this defensive front. But here's the guys to expect to see early and often. Senior defensive end, Myron Tagovailoa Amosa who has three sacks and ten and a half tackles for loss to date at defensive end. An awesome guy. Great guy. He will be used at what Notre Dame calls the big end, pretty much exclusively rushing the passer or stopping the run. So playing what the Irish call the Viper end will be Junior Isaiah Foskey. So the Viper end, in addition to rushing the passer and stopping the run, can also drop into coverage from time to time, cover the flat. It's a little bit more of a versatile end position. 
but Foskey is going to be really, really good. And I think a lot of people know that. And I think he's not going to sneak up on anyone this year. So keep an eye out for him. As for the backup ends, look for Justin Adam Alola and Jordan Bethello to be used quite frequently and getting a lot of snaps and they're in the rotation as backups. But those two men, again, Tagovailoa, Amosa, and Foskey, you're going to get a heavy dose of them. And speaking of Adam Alola, Justin's twin Jason looks to have locked up the starting defensive tackle spot right next to show favorite nose guard Kurt Heinisch. I think these Adam Alola brothers are about to burst on the scene in a big way. And there is tons of depth and talent along the front. And I guess no thing better illustrates this than backup tackle Jacob Lacey, who I think is now three spots down. The depth chart has seen action in 22 different games. So a lot of folks are nervous about linebacker with the departure of Dynamo. Butkus Award winner Jeremiah Usukormo to the NFL. Fortunately, he's suiting up for my favorite team, the Cleveland Browns. But just to put that out there now, no, you, you can't replace that man. However, a couple guys who stood next to Jeremiah are still in the stable, including middle linebacker Drew White. Number 40. White plays a tough-nosed brand of the position and has very quietly had a hell of a good career. Most people probably don't realize he's racked up 145 tackles, 17 and a half tackles in the backfield, and three and a half sacks. Having such a seasoned player smack in the middle of the defense is a luxury, and the Fighting Irish have it. Linebacker seems like it's going to be a pretty fluid position in Freeman's scheme with a lot of guys playing multiple positions in a lot of different roles, but I'll try to be straightforward here. 2020 onward to victory all sleeper team pick Maris Leofau looks to have locked up the weak side linebacker, or the will spot. Leofau flashed at times last year, kind of looked lost at other times, but many are pegging a breakout season for him this year. He looks the part. You could tell he is bulked up. I don't know what his current weight is, but man, he looks a lot bigger than he did last year. So I may have been a bit, uh, I may have been a year premature in my prediction for Leofau, but hey, look out for him this year. I think he's going to do some big things. And I'm giving the Rover spot to former Mr. Indiana football, Jack Kaiser, who had a bit of a roller coaster 2020, bouncing around from deep down in the depth chart to starting against South Florida last year. He had a really nice spring game, and I think he's just the kind of linebacker that's going to flourish in Marcus Freeman's system. Quality backups in Shane Simon, Bo Bauer, Isaiah Pryor, Paul Mawala, as long as he's back 100%, that is. We'll see plenty of reps, too. Again, I think linebacker is going to be pretty fluid. I think they're going to use a multitude of guys to help replace the skill set that Jeremiah Usukormoa brought to pretty much every snap. But I think it's still it's not a question mark. I think it's solidified. I think there's talent. I think they're just probably going to find the best combinations uh, of players to use in kind of the individual packages. So surprise, surprise, the secondary is headlined by Wonderkind free safety Kyle Hamilton who recently was named AP First Team All-American as well. Simply put, uh, Hamilton is everywhere, and he does everything. But seriously, say a rosary tonight that he stays healthy this season. Standing next to him will be 2019 All-Sleeper pick Houston Griffith. Griffith may be taking a long time to realize all that potential, but he is another guy that I think has potential to absolutely star under the tutelage of Marcus Freeman. In fact, it was Freeman who convinced him 
to come back after Griffith had entered the transfer, por transfer portal after all. Pardon me. He's gotten some defensive snaps in some certain packages over the seasons, but he's mostly been a special teamer in his first 36 games as a Golden Domer. So the time is now, young man. Some combination of Clarence Lewis, Cam Hart, and Tariq Bracey will start at corner. Lewis had his freshman moments, but he also broke up seven passes and forced a fumble. A good sophomore leap will go a long way in solidifying this position group. Bracey's an interesting one. He's kind of had an up-and-down career. He had a really good well, pretty good freshman and sophomore years and a somewhat lackluster 2021, but I think you're going to see a strong campaign out of him too. So I suppose the defense, in a nutshell, has enough elements to be really stingy once again. A new, exciting, innovative coordinator will go a long way in getting the most out of some of the more versatile players who maybe couldn't flourish in a previous, perhaps more complicated scheme. Strong up front and down the middle of the defense with Heinish White, and Hamilton, they'll be the anchors. All right, let's look at the schedule here. We have 12 opponents on the slate. I'm going to go through them all, give a couple sentences for each, and place them into one of three categories by their degree of difficulty and intrigue. It'll range from cupcake contest, which will be the easiest of games, to business-like bout for those middle third games where if the Irish take care of business, as you'd expect, the game should be separated by a couple scores. And finally, the marquee matchups. Those games which, from the onset of the season anyway, look to be the most compelling. Let's start at the top, chronologically. September 5th at Florida State. Florida State will be much better this year. They uh, project to have as many as nine starters back on offense and look to put another forgettable 2021 three-win, six-loss campaign behind them. While they'll be better, there's still no match for the Irish. While I probably think this is the most difficult of the cupcake contests, it should be one nonetheless. September 11th versus Toledo. Hey, I'll be at this one with some of my crew. I believe this is the final of the Mid-American Conference matchups. Anyway, you know it, I know it. Home opener, cupcake contest. September 18th versus Purdue. An old rivalry is restored. Notre Dame brings a seven-game winning streak against the Boilermakers into their first contest since 2014. Yeah, the NCAA will tell you it's only a five-game winning streak since two of the wins were vacated, but I'm telling you that is stupid. Iris retained the Shillelagh Trophy in a business-like bout. September 25th versus number 12, Wisconsin. This one will be at Soldier Field in Chicago. It's going to be a load of fun, I do know this, but did Wisconsin error by letting Jack Cohn walk and handing the job to Graham Mertz? I guess we'll all find out together. On a historic neutral site, that is. This one is a marquee matchup. October 2nd versus number 8, Cincinnati. Marcus Freeman gets to see his former program sooner rather than later for this assumed matchup between ranked teams. The Bearcats are tough. Coach Luke Fickle has this program hitting on most cylinders. And a fun fact, according to Rivals.com, UC is actually out-recruiting USC, Tennessee, and most of the Big Ten right now. This is a marquee matchup all the way. October 9th at Virginia Tech. So right after two marquee matchups, it's really hard to feel 100% confident in this game. While I think the Irish will win it, I think it'll very much feel like a trap game going in. In fact, I think that'll be kind of the buzzword for the entire week, but 
They also may be looking forward to that upcoming bye week and then USC. So even though Tech went 500 in the conference last season in our middling team, I just really don't care for the game's placement in the schedule. Either way, I will give it a business-like bout. After a bye week, October 23rd versus number 15, Southern California. Raise your hand if you can't wait to square off against these guys. I assume all of your hands are raised, as mine is. Another rivalry renewed here with the jeweled shillelagh at stake. The Irish have taken three in a row here, but this looks to be a top two or three most difficult game of the season. It's always a marquee matchup with USC. This year is no different, as they are bringing some good talent to the table and coming off a pretty strong 5-1 season last year. The following week is against October 30th versus number 10, North Carolina. So we're going to learn a lot about our guys here. Four ranked opponents in five calendar weeks over six Saturdays. North Carolina will look to replace some key players at some key spots. And fortunately, USC and North Carolina will be played at home, where the Irish take a 24-game winning streak into the season. So this one is definitely a marquee matchup. And just a quick note on this 24-game winning streak, I'm sure most of you remember that 2017 home game against Georgia, the one that still might give you some night sweats. That's actually the last time your Fighting Irish lost at Notre Dame Stadium. Moving on, November 6th versus Navy. One of the best rivalries in college football also renews this year. Boy, Purdue, Southern Cal, Navy, man, who needs a full ACC slate? Not us. Anyway, with all due respect, since this is one of my absolute favorite rivalries, there's been actually an episode about it, I don't see a way that Notre Dame doesn't blow the submarine doors off Navy. Cupcake contest. November 13th at Virginia. The last time we went to Charlottesville was 2015. That memorable win when Deshaun Kaiser entered the game for an injured Malik Zaire. Well, there's actually an episode about that one too. This one has potential to give Notre Dame some issues. I think the Cavaliers are pretty good. Though I think this will be a business-like bout, we hope that the November swoon doesn't hit the Irish. November 20th versus Georgia Tech. You know, I'm not sure how to cleverly spin this one. <laughs> this is a team we've met a lot over the decades and boast a 29-6-1 record against them. And they haven't been very good here, at least the last few seasons. Playing in South Bend, this ought to be a cupcake contest too. And finally, after that penultimate game of the season versus Georgia Tech, the Fighting Irish fly out to Stanford, California on November 27th. Man, you remember when this one was typically a slobber knocker? At least it was from, say, 2012 through 2017. The Irish have won the last two handily, including one at Stanford. But... No matter how you cut the cake, Stanford is a middling opponent on the Irish's slate this season. If the Irish approach the game in a business-like fashion, you just know it's going to be theirs for the taking. So, to recap, cupcake contests include Florida State, Toledo, Navy, and Georgia Tech. Business-like bouts, Purdue, Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Stanford. Not surprisingly, marquee matchups include Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Southern California, and North Carolina. So season prediction, that's a toughie. 
You know, and looking at the schedule, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if the Irish push double-digit wins again for the fifth straight season, particularly if Cohn hits on most cylinders at quarterback and the wide receiver core kind of steps up. You know, I think that's what I'm going to go with. My prediction for the year is 10-2. and two. If I'm wrong and they go 11-1 and one or even 12-0, and zero, you can totally come after me for being a pessimist. I can't readily identify those games that I don't think they're going to win, but I'm guessing there may be a couple stumbling blocks in there. All right, so finally, how about the members of the 2021 Onward to Victory All Sleeper Team? You've heard me preface this a number of times. It's one of my favorite things to do every single year. So these are guys who may be a bit down the depth chart or even newer starters, but far from what you might consider quote-unquote household names. But these are still guys who you can expect some moving and shaking from this season. I have four guys, two on offense and two on defense. And based on how I've discussed them today, you may already have a good sense of who they are. Let's start with offense. My first pick is tight end number two, George Takis. Not super original, I know, to say, hey, look out for that Notre Dame tight end. They've had quite a few good ones over the years, but I've been on this train for quite a while now. I think he's going to flourish in those two tight end sets, which, of course, Tommy Reese loves to use, and I think there's going to be a lot of focus when Michael Mayer's on the field to stop him, and I think it's going to open up a lot of things for Takis. So he is a, he's a smooth pass catcher. He is a motivated blocker. He's got a great body type. So make sure you look out for Takis this year. And I'm also going to say offensive lineman Josh Lug. He's kind of bubbled under on the depth chart for a couple seasons now and kind of capably playing whenever he's been asked. And as we all know, he's played behind some studs. And I think he's been very patient, I feel. So now it's time to solidify his spot as a bona fide NFL prospect. He's also a small mountain at six foot seven, 305 pounds, Josh Lug. Heading over to defense, I struggled with picking a Adam Alola brother. I almost said both, but I'm going to settle with defensive tackle Justin Adam Alola. I think while Justin and Jason are both going to be impactful, Justin has the inside track on that starting defensive tackle position, and he brings loads of athleticism and versatility to the spot. I think he's going to really turn some heads this year. So look out, Justin Adamalola. And finally, you may remember him from a couple of brilliant performances last year, but I'm going with linebacker Jack Kaiser. I think he's going to explode in Freeman's system, and I can't wait to watch it with a little bit of popcorn. And you all know me. I love seeing the Indiana boys make good. So here we go. Tight end George Takis, offensive tackle Josh Lug, defensive tackle Justin Adamalola, and linebacker Jack Kaiser. The 2021 Onward to Victory All-Sleeper Team. Thank you for sticking around, and I'll be right back with Show Wrap. Right. Well, if you guys are anything like me, and I suspect that you probably are, you're chomping at the proverbial bit for this season to start. 
And for some of you, actually I put it out on Facebook, some of you got already got your tickets for the games. So maybe I'll uh, catch a few of you at the Toledo game. But I'm really, really excited. I cannot wait. We are down to less than two weeks before the season starts. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. And like I said, whether you're an Irish novice or expert, hopefully you learned a few things or at least appreciated some of my perspective. But thank you again for joining me. This has been great to put together. This is always one of my favorite ones to do every single year. And this is the third year, the third annual season preview episode. So I want to thank wcscreens.com for sponsoring the show. Again, please visit the website to see everything that they have to offer in screen printing and embroidery and how they can get you or your company, your gathering, whatever it may be, outfitted properly and saving money. Also, a warm and special thank you to Consensus All-Americans. Again, Mr. Michael Finan of Rutherford, New Jersey and Brad Glazier of Williamsburg, Indiana. These guys have kept the show on the air. They kept the show on the air, I should say, for now a number of years, it feels like. And, man, I appreciate you, too. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you're interested in sponsoring uh, the show, you or your business, if it's your business, let me know. But if you just want to become a Consensus All-American yourself, like Brad and Michael, please visit paypal.me slash onward to victory for a one-time donation or head over to patreon.com slash onward to victory podcast for options for ongoing support. Please know how much it is appreciated. Now, whatever it is that you are listening to the podcast on, whatever service it might be, please make sure to like, subscribe, or whatever it is, whatever it is, just to make sure you're being updated and alerted to the latest episodes. So if you have an iPhone in your hand, and you make sure you hit that purple podcast icon, subscribe, and again, you'll be alerted to all the new episodes. And just as a friendly reminder, if you are using the uh, Apple Podcasts, it may seem insignificant, but please rate the podcast as a five-star podcast. Again, it may seem insignificant, but I do believe that it helps the show be found when people search for Notre Dame content over the vastness of the internet. And finally, feel free to jump over to the Facebook page where you will get all of the show's latest and greatest news and updates. And if you're not of the Facebook persuasion, Man, I get it. Feel free to communicate with the show via email at onwardtovictorypodcast at gmail.com. Well, I guess I had better sign off, Irish fans. I am super stoked again for this 2021 season to begin, and I know you are too. So look out for more content coming down the pike here, okay? Have a lot in store. And next episode is the 50th episode, so I will have a very special offering for that one, rest assured. And with that, it is time for me to sign off. This has been Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast, the 2021 season preview episode, episode number 49. And in kindness, I'm your host, Alex Painter. And as always, go Irish. Irish.